your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 291 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Well, it's about 9.50 on trade deadline day. But Pierre Dorian got some work done last night, making two trades that involved NHL defensemen. We'll let you know what the return is. If there's more to come, Pierre Dorian known as a busy man making trades, and I don't think it's going to be any different. However, the magnitude may not be what it's been in years past. We'll get Pilsy's take on what more could come from Pierre Dorian. Some top targets from around the league, plus... We got a game to preview. Yes, the Ottawa Senators in action tonight, hosting the Winnipeg Jets to start a pair of games. Could we see Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker before the week is done? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. is monday april 12th and pilsy this would typically be the episode most likely to be dated but pierre dorian doing us a favor and making two trades already last night oh yeah you know pierre he's always getting stuff done early and they were saying on uh, trade center today that he for a couple of years was one of the gms to make a first trade of the day so they're thanking him for that and yeah we we knew there was going to be some deals. Now, the magnitude of these deals are very minor, as uh, we thought. But, hey, two moves done, and there's still lots of time today with uh, more UFAs and even some players with term on their uh, contract to be moved here. So, Pierre's not done yet, I don't think. Before we start the hypotheticals, let's tell you about what has happened. The Ottawa Senators trading Mike Riley to the Boston Bruins in exchange for a third-round pick, not in this upcoming draft, But in the 2022 draft, Mike Riley, a pending UFA with a 1.5 salary this season. And then the shocker, the Sens got a draft pick for Braden Coburn, huh? Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders paying a seventh round pick in, again, the 2022 draft. An interesting note that both picks acquired are from next year's draft. They now have three seventh rounders as well if you're scoring at home there. But... That aside, Pilsy, let's focus in on the Mike Riley trade. That's the one of some magnitude, at least. I know there was the camp that wanted to keep him and sign him, but if you're Mike Riley, would you have taken a contract under three years in term as a 27-year-old? 
Yeah, I think that's where the issue was. And we talked about this on our locker room. That Mike Riley, he's leveraging for term, and the Sands would probably leverage for less term and more dollars. But yeah, this is a good scenario for him to hit the market. And there's lots of teams that are looking for a guy like Mike Riley. I was of the camp. I really wish Ottawa would have kept him. I think this is a similar scenario to Dylan DeMello last year, right? Like I think Dylan DeMello would have had more value for the Senators to keep him than the third round pick coming in. And I feel the same way about Mike Riley. They would have had more value keeping him than a third round pick, but you got to, you got to understand there's stuff that's going on behind closed doors that we're not privy to that information. Unfortunately, we're not that, uh, that big of insiders, but uh, there's a lot going on here. I would have wished they kept Mike Riley, but getting a third round pick for a guy that maybe wouldn't have stayed anyways is tidy business still. I'm glad you mentioned Dylan DeMello because, of course, the Sens got a third rounder from him in last year's deal. He then turned around and signed a four-year, $12 million contract with the Winnipeg Jets, a $3 million cap hit. That type of contract would have scared me out from signing him, especially with what's coming on the left side on defense. I'm not sure if Mike Riley gets an opportunity to sign that big of a contract. I think uh, it's going to be a little bit trickier for him, especially seeing uh, the way that the cap has been flattened. And there's not a lot of teams that are willing to spend a lot of money. But if you're Mike Riley, if you have an opportunity to make similar or the same amount of money on a contending team or in Ottawa at his age, you're probably going to take the money from a contending team. So can't really fault him for that there, but I really would have liked to keep Mike Riley around for a buffer period here. Yeah. It would have been nice to sign him to a one or two year contract, even upwards of three, three and a half million, but you just can't have that contract lingering when Brandstrom and Shabbat are obviously the guys next up on D but Jake Sanderson's the kind of guy who next spring could step in and you need to find room for him in the lineup. There's no question. And good on Pierre Dorian for acknowledging the Bruins have been playing with an AHL defensive core. They're dealing with a few injuries right now. They got pumped last night. I believe 8-1 was the final score. And their decor was Tenorti, who has obviously fame from that 2013 line brawl, sends abs. Uh, he was tangled up with uh, Chris Phillips in that fight, but it was Tenorti, Clifton, Zaboral, Camphor, Lozon, and Akan. And no, I did not make up any of those names. So good on Pierre for noting that and calling up Don Sweeney and saying, hey, I noticed that you're not playing with a very good decor right now. Why don't we help you out? And and uh, that's not all Don Sweeney did. He went out and got Taylor Hall. We'll get into some league trades later on, but what do you think about the fit with Mike Riley in Boston? I think it's a great fit. And yeah, like you said, good on two general managers, kind of handshaking understanding weakness and needs and demands and wants and all that kind of thing but I really thought too with Mike Riley that's such a nice cap hit just 1.5 I thought that would have garnered a little bit more value like I think him at a at like a normal price would have got you that third round pick but him at a low price of 1.5 million and with the season he's having I thought you maybe could have at least tried to sneak in some sort of conditional uh, pick or something like that as we see is very popular these days but you know what? We're not going to get too crazy about uh, nitpicking for dollars and cents here. Overall, it's not a bad deal. And I think the senators are not going to worry about this when, like you said, Jake Sanderson's coming, when JBD's thriving, when Eric Branson is at his potential. So this is a minor deal, but I, I still would have liked to keep Riley for a little bit because why not try to re-sign him for a year and then try to get a bigger price next deadline. And then you ship him off when your other guys are ready. That's what I would have liked to see the Sens do just didn't work out that way, I guess. 
Would you kick tires on him if he's still unsigned in the summer to bring him back? Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, this is a guy you know works well with Artem Zub, a guy that hopefully the Sens are uh, re-signing as well. So, yeah, if there's an opportunity there, you're going to have to overpay for him there because he's going to have uh, competing offers for sure. There will be uh, competition to get Mike Riley signed in the offseason if the Bruins don't extend him. So if they can bring him back, but the key is, Ross, and like we both said, one or two years. He can't be giving him three years because you've got the pipeline coming and it'll be here soon. 14 months, Mike Riley stayed in the nation's capital. He came in for a fifth-round pick, and he goes out for a third. Tidy piece of business. Mike Riley finishes his Senators career with one goal, but 31 points in 70 games. He was a minus 10, but always on the right side of the possession numbers. A 52 Corsi, 81 hits, 128 shots on goal. And he was uh, interesting to watch, to say the least, uh, especially early on in this season. He give us and he take us away at times with uh, with his decision-making. But again, do think the fit is great in Boston. How shocked were you that Braden Coburn was able to be acquired? And wasn't he just on waivers last week? Why didn't the Islanders just pick him up then? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one, but uh, I'm not shocked that he did get a return. Like a seventh-round pick, that's, uh, that's kind of a minimal... Uh, uh, like asset you can hand over. So he definitely, they were scraping the barrel to find something to trade for him. But this is a guy who we goof on him a little bit, but he did win a Stanley cup in Tampa only played three games down that stretch, but he is a guy who in a locker room provides a lot of veteran experience. If there's injuries that happen, you want to have guys like this that you can plug into your lineup if you're the Islanders. So I think it's a good piece of business all around. And I'm just glad uh, this is, Unfortunately, kind of a addition by subtraction uh, move here for the Sens because Braden Coburn was not working out here and uh, he was eating up minutes that the young guys could have used. So good on, hey, Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith. They trotted the red carpet out for him, showed him off to all the teams. Here's a big shiny prize, Braden Coburn. We're going to play him for eight games right before the deadline. How do you like him? And apparently the Islanders liked him. So that's uh, that's nice to move on from that. That's all I can say, I guess. Two defensemen moved, though. Let's discuss the Senators' defense. Not in the future. We know there's guys coming up. But right now, how does how does it shake out? Does Brandstrom step into that spot alongside Artem Zub? I would hope so. I think that makes the most sense. That gives Brandstrom uh, increased minutes. It gives him a reliable, defensively sound partner in Zub. I think that's the way to go for sure. I don't know what's going on behind him at lefty. Could we see a waiver claim today on one Victor Mete? I really think so. And when I saw that Riley was traded, that kind of the little light bulb went off in my head and was like, I bet there's something going on here. Because, yeah, for the team right now, trading Mike Riley, that's a big loss. This is this is a top four defenseman. He's playing upwards of 18 minutes, you know, right around 18 to 22 minutes kind of a night. He's been getting assists like crazy like nobody's business so that's that's a guy that you're gonna you're gonna miss there so hopefully we can see Eric Branstrom fill in some of those minutes and uh if if not then you get a guy like Victor Mete in here who's he has a good NHL experience Ross I think 185 NHL games and he's only 22 22, years old now he doesn't rack up the points and he is only 5'9 so all I know if the Sens do decide to claim Victor Mete they cannot play him with Eric Branstrom that's like the mini me uh, defense pair going out there (laughs) especially moving on from Coburn and Gabranson maybe again Gabranson's still on the roster right now you had a theory of why they might keep Gabranson however 
Yeah, I think this is a situation that uh, Pierre Dorian is going to be looking for some goodwill and some good karma here because this is a guy they brought in. They thought he was going to play a bigger role. He did at the start of the season. Where's the letter? Yeah, where's the letter? Exactly. We all know it didn't work out kind of the way both sides had hoped. And you got to remember, Eric Branson literally just had a child, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago. So that's a very new, fresh situation. And in the times we live in now with COVID, that's not something to be taken lightly. We like, I feel like babies have been a big story for the senators here, right? Like the Derek Stepan just having a kid and the kind of tension that created with his family um, down in the States. And he was here. There seemed like there was an awkward situation there. Matt Murray also had a child. Boro, people thought he was going to resign because of that situation. True, true. Yeah, that, there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of shakings with that kind of thing because it's a big part of the business, unfortunately. Right. Do you know what I see for Erica Branson? How about a trip just to Toronto? You don't have to go too far and they're looking for a veteran defenseman. I don't think he'd, he'd cost much for them and maybe just, you know, a seventh, eighth guy, because if they have an injury, they're going right to Marty Marincin in the playoffs. And I don't think you, I don't think that he's an upgrade on Gabranson. So that might be a fit. What do you think about that potential? Yeah, maybe. And I mean, it makes sense. It's Canadian team. Don't my only kind of reserve for that is they have Zach Bogosian, who is essentially an Eric Gabranson, right? Like it, it's almost identical players. So I don't think they're going to go out and do that unless it comes down to the wire and they're able to get him for like a seventh round pick. But I don't think the senators are going to trade him. This is a guy who, yeah, like I said, just had a kid. He wears a letter. I think he's well-liked in the room. Uh, all these kinds of things. I mean, this is stuff that uh, Bruce Garriock was mentioning. So. Who? <laughs> so that's uh that's about the insider information we get from uh, trade center since we're not allowed to see that information on twitter sorry bruce but uh, yeah i think there's there's things that are going on behind the scenes that are going to cause good branson to stay and i think the senators are going to just say let's get some goodwill here he's a guy we just traded two veteran defensemen so let's keep him around play him to the end of the season, then he has his choice of where he's going to go after. So I don't think we're going to see a good Branson move. There is plenty of movement league-wide already, so much so I got to grab a Bilt Bar to keep up because Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Comes in so many amazing flavors as well. You take your pick each and every day. There's eight that are nut-free, eight have nuts if you want that little extra crunch, but all bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious guy or girl or someone who's sitting on the couch watching trade deadline. you got to recoup with a Built Bar. The bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. Some would call that a nutritional grand slam. Now, we here at Locked On Senators, we like to make things nice and easy for you when there's so much variety to choose from. That's why we narrow it down with Pillsy's Pick of the Week. Oh, yeah. Make sure you guys are getting the built bars today because it's going to be a long one with Trade Center and Trade Deadline going on. So how are you going to stay energized and get that protein up? It's built bar. Let's pick a nice flavor for today. I'm going to go with raspberry, a nice berry flavor. You know, instead of uh, having raspberries in your yogurt uh, for breakfast, why not grab a built bar raspberry? You're going to get 17 grams of protein only four grams of sugar, only 130 calories, 100% real chocolate, and amazing flavor. So that is Pillsy's pick of the day. Go to BuiltBar.com to see all the great products that Built Bar has available because Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. BuiltBar.com, when you go there, use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off 
your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, Pilsy. So we've discussed the two defensemen who have been moved. We've discussed the one who's likely to stay. But there's some forwards who may find a new zip code by the end of the day. Who do you think's most likely up front? I mean, the, the answer you would think would be Ryan Dezingle. He's been playing hot. He's been scoring even strength goals. He's a fast, speedy winger that can be moved up and down the lineup. His salary cap hit isn't that bad at 3.375. But I'm going to go the other way. I actually think it's more likely an Ismov gets moved because this is a guy who has veteran experience. He's been in deep playoff runs before with the Rangers. He's got a lot of games under his belt. And sure, you can say what you want about Anisimov, but this the guy still has offensive skills. Like, he's got hands. He can deke inside the offensive zone. He's a possession guy. I would say a complete liability defensively. But if you're a contending team, you're able to shovel him down your lineup and make sure he's only playing in situations that you like him. So I can see someone trading, you know, a six, the seventh, and the Sens retaining a bit of salary. And that's a nice guy to have in your taxi squad. So I can definitely see Anisimov garnering some attention here. At $4.55 million, it's a no-brainer. Ottawa would keep half of that cap hit, whereas with Ryan Dezingle, he's at, he's at 3.75. And at that point, you can also retain half. And then the team getting him, it's like, what, $1.5 million, give or take? I think that's a, a good bargain for Ryan Dezingle. Do you think teams will be scared away that he hasn't been able to produce outside of Ottawa? Yep, I think so for sure. And... Hey, he's tried it. Columbus was a complete failure. I don't think there's any other way to put that. Carolina didn't look great either. And that's a team that they just didn't have a spot for him. Like there's just no place for Dezingle because they felt he wasn't a guy that helped them win games. So that's not a great look when uh, that's kind of the value of your market stock. I think it's going to end up, uh, we're going to see Ryan Dezingle staying in Ottawa because the Sens aren't going to find a deal they like. And unless it's with a team in the Canadian division, then you got to deal with quarantine stuff. So I think possibly we could see Ryan Dezingle just finish out the season here. Lastly, Anton Forsberg. Many thought that his extra games here and there over the past week would signify a show-off, much like Coburn in your opinion, where GMs could take a look and say, hey, am I going to shop this guy as a rental, a third-string goalie if injuries happen down the stretch into playoffs? But there's a rule, waiver rule, that kind of makes it difficult to move him. Yeah, I mean, Ross, how could we forget waiver rule 13.20 section B? <laughs> like that just completely went over both our heads when we were talking about uh, trading Anton Forsberg. But credit to Steve Lloyd at TSN Steve Lloyd on Twitter. He pointed this out and so the rule is a player who has been acquired by waiver claim shall not be traded to another club until the termination of playoffs this season in which he was acquired unless he is first offered on the same term to the clubs that entered a claim when waivers were requested originally and the offer has been refused. That sounds like a whole bunch of legal jargon that I fully don't understand if I'm being completely honest, but basically it's going to make it a lot harder just to trade him straight up. You're going to have to use the uh, the famous waiver rule 13.20 section B to make sure you're doing that properly. So I don't think we're going to see Anton Forsberg uh, moved here because the Sens got him for nothing and claimed off waivers. It's going to be tough to follow that rule to trade him. And we're also still waiting on Matt Murray. Not sure what's going on there. And I think they want to keep Gus and Belleville and uh, Mandalay as well. So they want to have three goalies 
up in the NHL so they can have those young guys developing in Belleville. So Forsberg, I think, will stay unless they're able to work around this rule. Yeah, so long as Joey's out with his injury, likely season-ending, although we know he's a hard worker. He's going to do everything he can to get back. Seems like Forsberg's just your perfect taxi squad guy, although he has played well in his few appearances. There has been lots of movement since we last spoke. Oh, you want one more thing on Forsberg? Well, and I think uh, a good sign that he's staying, he's working on his goalie mask. I know that sounds funny, but like you wouldn't be doing that if you had an inclination you were moving. And I think he thought he was moving up until maybe uh, he also realizes waiver rule or, or his <laughs> agent told him or something. And then he's like, well, I'm going to be here for a month or two. Might as well design a mask. Yeah, speaking of waivers, Clark Bishop cleared waivers. He was placed there just for a little extra flexibility. As we know, the NHL debuts for Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker are imminent. Colin White coming off the IR as well. We expect him to join the Senators at their skate this morning. If you're listening on our locker room, which we hosted on Sunday morning, we had a full recap of the Toronto Maple Leafs-Ottawa Senators game on Saturday night. But Pilsy, for those who weren't able to join us, May as well have a quick recap now. Now, after those first two goals, Matthews twice in 39 seconds, you're like, oh, no, here we go. It's like it's like Groundhog Day watching Matthews play the Ottawa Senators. But what resiliency, eh? Three goals in four minutes and 27 seconds to pull themselves ahead. Timmy Superstar, an absolute rocket over the shoulder of Jack Campbell. Yeah, I, this game was fun because you went from, yeah, like you said, Groundhog Day, de- being depressed, like, hello, darkness, my old friend, it's Matthew scoring goals up against the Ottawa Senators. Here we go again. Of course, Mitch Marner assisted on both of them. Yikes. But the team, after the intermission, I don't know what was said by the leadership group uh, on the team, Brady Kachuk, or the coach, they came out with a whole different attitude. And those three goals that you mentioned were scored by none other, none other than Drake Batherson, Alex Formanton and Tim Stutzler. So how about that for the bright future of the Ottawa Senators? And I want to highlight Formanton's goal. Short-handed breakaway goal. Get used to seeing that, Ottawa Senators fans, because Ross and I saw a bunch of that in Belleville. Flash Formanton. I like that. A little play on Flash Gordon because, man, he picks the pocket of Morgan Riley, and then their two best players who make a combined, what, not two best, but two of their best players, they're making a combined $15 million and they can't even sniff catching Alex Formanton on that breakaway. He didn't even have to look into the net. He knew he beat Jack Campbell clean. It was an unreal goal, and that's the type of speed that doesn't need to develop at any level. It just shows up and makes an impact right away. So I'm of the mind that Alex Formanton's played his last game in Belleville. Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no way you can send this guy back down now, especially with Austin Watson hurt with you just lost a big penalty killer and Mike Riley. I know it's a different position, but that's a, that's a key part of Alex Formington's game is killing penalties. And yeah, like you said, that speed is universal. Like it doesn't matter what league you're playing. He's going to be able to hit that speed. And what Alex Formington does the best is I don't want to say he's going slow, but he's going at a normal pace until when he turns on the jets is when he sees those defenders try to pivot. As soon as they're working on their pivot, to switch from either skating forward to backwards or backwards to forward, whatever way you want to do it, he's gone. He's got that one step and the pivot just ruins the defenseman. It puts him flat footed and Alex Formington is gone. So I'm so excited what we're going to get to see from this guy in the NHL. And Ross, how about a record breaking goal for Connor Brown against his former team? Don't look now. 
but Connor Brown has more goals than John Tavares this season. Who? Let that let yeah, let that sink in. Pajama Boy is uh, who I'm talking about. Jonathan. Connor Brown, seven straight games with a goal. And get this, Pilsy, two of them were shorthanded goals. This guy has done it in all situations. I know we had a an interesting take. I think it was Sean Foisey in the locker room who mentioned, does this mean that like you sell high on him? Nah, I think DJ Smith would quit as Sens head coach if they took Connor Brown away from him. I would argue, I love that Nick Paul was the guy who gets the A when Gabranson's out of the lineup. I would argue that the next guy on that list is Connor Brown. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And the only reason Connor Brown doesn't get it over Nick Paul is Nick Paul is a homegrown guy who did the work. Like I, I feel like like he is your employee of the month photo at the CAA arena. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. the guy where you're like, hey, you guys think it's tough here and uh, this is the end of the road? Look at Nick Paul. Five straight seasons of bouncing back and forth between the AHL and NHL. Now he's got a big $1.3 million contract and a nice new house in Ottawa. So that's what you can be striving for. Yeah, 100%. So we love what Nick Paul brought, but man, Connor Brown, what a great story. And it's just continuing to skyrocket. This is a guy who's been known as a goal scorer, not only in junior, but as a rookie in the NHL, scored 20. He was on pace to be right around there last year. And to be locked up at $3.6 million for each of the next three seasons, it's extremely impressive. So we hope that Connor Brown keeps it up. We've been kind of going backwards for this game rather than our usual chronological. That's what happens when we have a locker room in between. We're just hitting on the biggest notes. And my favorite goal of all, and this is the last point I want to make on the game, was how much better have Tim Stutzla and Drake Batherson been since having Michael Amadio as their centerman. Now, Amadio won the faceoff that allowed Stutzla to snipe right off of the draw, but their work on the forecheck, there was that play in the, in the second period where they ultimately score, and Drake Batherson, the forecheck, the kick play to set up Stutzla, and then right off of, uh, was did Jack Campbell stop it, or was it the post? Anyways, it, it bounced, I think it was the post, and then right onto the stick of Drake, he puts it in. Just how much can a centerman affect two wingers play yeah I mean I don't want to see Drake and uh, Timmy split up again because those two the chemistry they're having and they seem like they're really getting along off the ice as well so Mike Amadio is kind of like the third musketeer here now and that's a nice trio that we're going to see a lot more of I think for the rest of the season well we're about to find out Pilsy Shane Pinto is on the ice ahead of today's morning skate wearing number 57 so I don't think he got his choice on either number but what we can tell you is that not only are they on the ice, but we're soon going to find out who they're starting on a line with. Until we find that out, let's take a look around the league at some major trades ahead of the deadline. That's going to affect outcomes of the games down the stretch. So pay attention to who got better and then go to betonline.ag and place some wagers. BetOnline is the one place that has you covered, the only place that we trust here at the Locked On Podcast Network for your wagering needs. It's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on. Because you're a listener of Locked On Senators, you are entitled to a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So the thing with that, it'll just automatically show up in your account, but it is free play money. That means you have to win it to earn it. And that's where Pilsy's parlay of the day comes in because he is all about helping people get rich. 
That's what I'm here for, guys. I'm looking for those green numbers in your accounts. And Pillsy's parlay of the day, it, it hasn't been good and hasn't been bad. It's been kind of back and forth. So we're going to try to right the ship here. Not going to get too crazy, just a two-team parlay or two-game parlay, I should say, because it's Ottawa Senators game day, and it's also a Belleville Senators game day. So this is a Senators Pillsy's parlay of the day. And I hate starting out like this, but I think this might be the first time I've done this in a parlay. I'm taking Winnipeg Jets money line up against the Ottawa Senators. And I know it pains me to say it, but I really don't like the chances here for the Sens. Minus 192 for the Winnipeg Jets money line. Then let's head on down. Well, I guess we're we're going to stay same matchup, uh, same franchises at least. The Manitoba Moose and the Belleville Senators are playing. I like Belleville's chances here. We're going to take their money line at plus 137. So hopefully we get the right uh, results here. Belleville wins and Ottawa loses strictly for the parlay. Also helps lottery odds. Not a big deal. We're not trying to actively tank, though. Let's make that clear. But Pillsy's parlay of the day. Belleville Senators money line. Winnipeg Jets money line. Put 10 bucks in. You're going to win $26.04. That is Pillsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Make sure you're following the Locked On Senators podcast on all social media and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at lockedon.senators and on Twitter. At Sense Central, we're much more active there. And you can shoot us a DM, hit us up in our comments if you want to chat Sense or if you have any questions about the show. So at Sense Central on Twitter. And one last thing, if you guys write reviews on Apple Podcasts, you'd be shocked at how far they go. So please leave a review. Really appreciate that. Pillsy, tons of action among GMs over the last 24 hours. I guess we'll start with the fact that Noted Senators fan Kyle Dubas is trying to bring the band back together. Are we going to see, again, a line with Jason Spezza and Nick Foligno as the Leafs acquire the Columbus captain, former Senators draft pick, first rounder, in fact, in 2007? It's possible. I mean, that's right around where Nick Foligno would would line up on this Leafs roster. You know, I, I like the deal for the Leafs. Like Nick Foligno is the type of guy that I think is going to work with what they're trying to do. And they've learned like before they're just getting skilled guys at the vet at the trade deadline. And it, we all know how that's been working. Didn't get them far in the playoffs. Now they're looking for those guys that are going to keep the room intact you know these are pros that have been in the playoffs they know what to do they know how to take care of their body so it's guys like Felino, Spezza, Simmons, Thornton all these kind of guys that they're hoping are going to help push those young Good guys Branson. to the top Good Branson, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, big save, Dave. Another guy, Dave Riddick, getting in there too. But the fact that the fact that Nick Felino garnered a first round pick and Taylor Hall, and, gar- gar- yeah, and, and and two fourths, yeah, and two fourths. I mean, there's a three team deal there, so that's uh, that's part of that, and obviously retained salary. But and then the fact that Taylor Hall only gets a second oh and Mike Riley a third. Yikes! Yikes! And what a weird market. Yes, no doubt, but he does make, uh, like, plug your ears, Sens fans, but he does make the Leafs a better team, and there's that heartstring tugger that his dad, Mike Foligno, was on the 93 team that made the conference final, but 
Have they won around since? I mean, yeah. Uh, let me check quick. I'll check. Uh, no, no. No, no. They've well, <laughs> since 04, the Toronto Maple Leafs have not won a playoff series going on 17 years. So you can understand why Kyle Dubas, in a gimmick year where he doesn't have to play Tampa or Boston, that he would go and put all his chips in the middle. It makes sense from his point of view, and I don't think they're done either. Yeah, and like if you're a Canadian team, this is the year because one of the Canadian teams is guaranteed to go to the conference finals, right? So you're not going to get a better chance. And if you're the Leafs, you don't have to face the big bad Bruins. So that's massive for you. So that's that's huge that they're going to push all their chips in here. Just quickly on Felino, I'm sure if we see him score a goal, he's going to do the Mike Felino uh, hop like his yeah. dad made famous. I think both Nick and Marcus did it for their first goal. Their first but goal, yeah. Nick Felino 100% is going to do that in a Leafs jersey when he scores. If he scores. I mean, don't get ahead of yourself, Bill. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the Leafs have been active, but the Boston Bruins matching them. They didn't only get Mike Riley. They go out and acquire Taylor Hall. You mentioned the price, but how much of that price is inclusive of the fact that another Sens abroad is on the move? Curtis Lazar, a part of that trade. So it's Curtis Lazar and Taylor Hall out of Buffalo and into the Boston Bruins organization in exchange for a second-round pick and Anders Bjork. So that's a pretty weak return if you're the Buffalo Sabres, no? Yeah, I think this is... Remember how high I was on Anders Bjork, by the way? I was going to mention that. uh, Yeah, you you thought he was going to be a franchise-altering guy. I think I said Calder favorite in like 2018 (laughs) when nobody listened to this. Yeah, whoops. Um, Yeah, as far as the Boston Bruin goes, I I think anytime you get pounced on, what was it, 8-1, your GM is saying, yeah, I don't think we we have quite all the tools to go far in a playoff uh, (laughs) series here. I mean, I'm joking because they have a lot of injuries, but obviously he needed to add there. Curtis Lazar, you know what? Good for him. Like he's he's still pr- producing enough and providing enough that NHL teams want him. And I think on a contending team, he could be a good bottom six guy uh, for for your depth pieces. So good on him finding a new home too. And Taylor Hall, we'll see if that works out. I think the big contract what was a tough part of the return, like eight million dollars when you've scored. I think Taylor Hall has like two goals. Like yeah, he does. You're, look, you're looking at four million per goal. So. I don't know how uh, how good that looks, but geez, put him on a line with David Krejci or get him on that. Uh, no, top you have line. to. Krejci's the guy you got to play him with. Yeah, exactly. So I, this Boston team's looking nice now. Yeah, all of a sudden, and they've been ravaged not only on defense. I mentioned earlier in the show just how poor their defense is right now, but they're on to their third string goalie, Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak, both out with injuries for Rask. It's been long term. They've gotten good goaltending. From Dan Vladder, uh, but still not and the other uh, guy, Swayson. I think yes, his name is. He's Sway- coming in hot. Swayman, I think too. Yeah. So um, they are they are kind of piecing along the puzzle here, but they're not getting much push from guys under them in the standings, right? Like Philly is is the team that was close, and now it's just a complete no show. So I think Boston adding Taylor Hall. It's a huge pickup, and Mike Riley to stabilize the defense. They're no doubt going to find themselves in a playoff spot. They're Four points up on the Rangers right now with two games in hand. So you got to think this is the push that gets them over the top. Don't look now, but the Pittsburgh Penguins have won three in a row. They're eight and two in their last 10 games. And new GM, Ron Hextall, he goes back to his former team. Remember Ron Hextall was in LA for a while? Well, they get 
Jeff Carter. Now, it's not the same Jeff Carter that you've come to know and love from the 2010 Stanley Cup, the 2012 Stanley Cup, the 2014 Stanley Cup Finals. He obviously won the last two with the LA Kings. But for some reason, I just believe that if you put him on a line with Sidney Crosby, he's going to produce goals. I think that's a pretty heady pickup by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Your thoughts on the acquire of Jeff Carter. Now, the exchange is a third and a fourth, but they're both conditional picks. Yeah, and I think the conditions are really complicated. They're going over it on uh, Trade Center, so we're not going to dive into that. But the move, I like it a lot. This is a guy, like you said, a lot of playoff pedigree. And if he's in a lesser role, I think he can really provide an offense here. Like, even with the Kings, maybe assists and goals, he wasn't racking it up. But this is a guy who's getting a lot of shots on that every, every single night. So he's still in the mix you know he's still producing he's still getting pucks on net so get him with the right guys and I think this team can do well and that's a team with some injury trouble too Ross the Penguins so hopefully some of their guys can come back I'm not sure how long Malkin is out for but uh, that's a big loss for them so I think if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins that's a nice move that if the conditions don't end up hitting then uh, it's not going to cost you too much either no, he's only got eight goals in 40 games this year, but a 6.8 shooting percentage. He's a, a guy who, for shot attempts, is always near the top of the league, top 10 again this season. So I think it's a pretty heady pickup for him. Now, you mentioned earlier in the show that Anton Forsberg likely to stay. Well, he's got the Sens bucket on, and he is in the starter's net in the morning skate. So he'll be wearing his Winnipeg Jets pads going up against his former team, but now he's all locked and loaded with the new buckets. So Anton Forsberg set to make his third consecutive start. And Pilsy, we have lineups. The Ottawa Senators' morning skate is in progress. The top line reunited from the start of the season. It's Josh Norris in between Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson. Second line switched up a little bit, right? You, you break up Stutzla and Batherson, but it's going to be Michael Amadio in between Timmy Stutzla and Ryan Dezingle, the third line, Colin White. Welcome back into the mix. He's in a usual spot between Nick Paul and Evgeny Dadanov. The fourth line is Chris Tierney, Alex Formanton, and Connor Brown. I'm so impressed. Like, There's no high-end skill up front. I shouldn't say no. There's not an abundance of it, but that's pretty good depth when your fourth line has a guy who just broke the franchise record for most games with a goal. The extra line, yes, the name you've been waiting for, Shane Pinto skating with Clark Bishop and Artem Anisimov. Remember that, kid, your first line mates in Ottawa. On defense, it's Shabbat Zaitsev. Brandstrom Zub, that put an asterisk next to that. Need to watch him, how he looks without being stapled to Eric Gabranson. Speaking of Goody, he's on the third pair playing the left side, I should say, with Josh Brown. The extra pair is Ole Alsing and JBD. We mentioned Forsberg in the starters net. Some interesting notes there, Pilsy. What stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, I just finished saying how I don't ever want to see Tim Stutzla and Drake Batherson split up and what, 10 minutes later, they're split up. But you know what? I think the decisions that were made still work. Like that line of Kachuk, Norris, Batherson didn't have enough experience and uh, kind of NHL savvy to work at the start of the year, but I think it can work now. And now Stutzla, Amadio, and Dezingle, I like that too, because uh, Dezingle brings an element of speed and offense, just like Stutzla, and uh, Mike Amadio can keep setting those guys up. So that I like, but 
yeah, like you said, Connor Brown just breaks the franchise record for seven straight games with a goal, and then he gets put on the fourth line? Come on. Yeah, for real. But he's still going to play more. He's always up in the mix as, as the top forward in, in terms of ice time under DJ Smith. That's not going to change. But Chris Tierney now, he he's just made a home here on the fourth line. And one thing I noticed when I was looking up Chris Tierney's contract that goes into next year, and maybe this holds him away from being selected by Seattle. Does that mean a trade is coming? I don't know. But he has a $3.5 million cap hit. This year, however, he's only making 2.8. So he's up at $4 million next year. And you can't have that on your fourth line. Yeah, but I think if you're Seattle, you're hopefully you're not in real dollars trouble already before True. you even selected any players. True. So hopefully they're not looking at that as a big deterrent to getting him. But yeah, that would make him a much more attractive guy to be traded now and be a part of uh, kind of a playoff run here. And then you can decide what to do with him after if you're a contending team. But I still think we're going to see Chris Tierney here until after the expansion draft, unless he's taken by Seattle. It's just like, man, when you have Alex Formanton's gift of speed, you should be playing him with faster players. Like, it just seems like you're anchoring him to a centerman that can't keep pace. But part of me thinks that's okay because he has so much speed. Like, even if you put him with fast players, they're not going to be able to fully keep up with him. Whereas here, you've got a, a guy in Chris Tierney who a lot of people have been down on lately, but he still is a good passer. He can make good transition plays. So... You get it up to Alex Formanton and he gets it in the zone. Or then you got a guy like Connor Brown, great defensively, responsible on the forecheck and back check. He can get those loose pucks, get it to Formanton, and he leads those charge. So I don't think it's a total negative, but yeah, I definitely see what you're saying when you get two guys, both who have a little less pace than uh, than normal, getting them with the fastest guy, pro- pro- one of the fastest guys in the entire league. I don't have any uh, res- reservations saying that. He is that fast. Always an anxiety-driven day, the morning of trade deadline. Pilsy, my question to you, all those names I just mentioned, will they be available for the Ottawa Senators tonight? I, I still think we're going to see an Anisimov move. I don't think the Zingo's getting traded. I don't think it Branson is. Forsberg with uh, waiver rule 13.20 <laughs> section B uh, is going to stop him there. So I, I think this could probably be the lineup. Uh, Anisimov is on that fifth line, so he's not expected to play tonight. But uh, yeah, it's very interesting. And how about the schedule makers? It's got to be four years straight they put a game for the Ottawa Senators on trade deadline day. Why are there any games on trade deadline day? It makes no sense to me. It does make for some fun when you see the guy arriving at the rink in normal times and he has his his full bag and like 20 sticks and he just look, looks Cup like he just coffee. got off the airplane. Yeah, and he's trying to meet his new team. Or you occasionally see it where they're meeting their teammates in warm-up where they, they enter the game a little bit later. I, I think that that's all all comedy and and it just adds to the entertainment value of the game. So I don't mind it personally. Usually there's only a game or two tonight with the condensed schedule. As always, you expect there to be a little more action. But we're excited. There hasn't been many trades or any, we should say, while we've been recording. But you can bet before the 3 p.m. deadline, there will be some. Now, before we go, Pilsy, our classic preview style what's a key to victory here against the Winnipeg Jets right now Ottawa with only one win against them this year well I'm gonna this this sort of blends into my um, lookout player or locked on player I should say but a big key to victory here let's see what Eric Brandstrom can do 
right? We've been clamoring. Let's get this guy more ice time. DJ Smith said he's going to get more ice time as the trade deadline comes. Mike Riley shipped out. He's on a pairing with Artem Zoop, ready to take those minutes. Let's see how it does, because this is a big role for Branstrom. He's going to almost for sure get over 15 minutes, which will be probably one of his most a time on ice all, all season. He's been right around the 10 minute mark. So this is a big step for Eric Brandstrom and a key to success is him being able to handle this load. He's going up against Winnipeg Jets. Blake Wheeler's injured, but that's top six is still so lethal with Connor, Shifley, Dubois, Ehlers, all these guys that can still put the puck in the net and be a threat. He's going to have to play much better defensively. So my locked on player and key to success is going to be Eric Brandstrom having a really good game here. Every, all eyes will be on him, but just to give a different answer, I'll say Colin White. How's he looking coming off that injury? I like that DJ Smith put him back into the spot he's most comfortable in between Nick Paul and Evgeny Dadanov. I thought they were playing really well before the injury, and hopefully the offense can come back for Colin White. He had that stretch a little while ago, that Calgary series, and into the Montreal one where he had a four-game point streak and five points, four goals during that stretch. But now he's gone cold. One goal in eight games and a minus five before the injury. We hope that he can get back on track. I like the thinking by DJ Smith here. Get him on the line that he's comfortable with. Nick Paul, defensively responsible guy. Evgeny Dadanov, a guy that needs to get going and needs a good centerman to get him going. Or he just needs his comrade Artem Anisimov to get him going. But I, I like the decision making there. And yeah, I think that's a good one. Locked on to Colin White for sure here. Who, who are you looking out for in Winnipeg? It's got to be Nick Ehlers. Like this guy is just, I think a lot of people didn't give him enough credit as he was rising up. And I think you saw that big contract get handed to him and people outside of the Winnipeg Jets organization and fan base probably scratched their head a little at it, but it's looking nice now. Like Nick Ehlers can shoot the puck so well. He's been dangerous up against the Ottawa Senators. I, I don't know his point totals, but he's been just racking up points versus Ottawa so he's a guy that with Blake Wheeler out too he's going to get a lot more of a look here I think the Ottawa Senators and myself are going to be looking out for him my lookout player is my girlfriend in my apartment because I can't stand another loss against her hometown Winnipeg Jets it's really just starting to weigh on me mentally so I need for my own safety and sake I need a big time sends win to your point Nick Ehlers, nine points in six games so far against Ottawa this year. He's a pesky winger. He He's sick up the ice. There's this one highlight I always go back to when he was playing in Halifax. He can't, comes up the ice, dangling left. He dekes right and switches the handedness on his stick so that he's a righty. It's unreal. It's one of the sickest. Ambidextrous. Like, wow. Yeah, a little quick. And then he makes a move there and then shifts back. To, to his left shot. It was actually pretty unreal. Uh, maybe we'll tweet that clip out later today. Maybe I'll do it. Is that with that. a straight stick? That sounds like a Wayne Gretzky style. No, play. no, you'll have to see it. It was actually unreal. To give you a real answer though, I'm going to go Connor Hellebuck, assuming he's starting because he absolutely denied the Sens last game. You'll remember Ottawa outplayed Winnipeg the last time these two teams met, but they weren't getting past Connor Hellebuck that night. So goalie friendly show, it's Connor Hellebuck for me. Yeah, I mean, any anytime you got a Vesna on your resume, you got to be looking out for that. And Ross, if your girlfriend's giving you a hard time about the Jets beating the Sens, well, hopefully the baby Sens can beat up on the Manitoba Moose because that game is also happening at 5 o'clock. And that's a part of Pilsy's parlay is for them to get that money line win. And it was a tough 
overtime loss last game. I know that one uh, hit your bet online.ag account a little hard there, Ross. You really thought they were having it, but I think mm-hmm. I think they they can beat the Moose. There's not a lot of talent on that Moose team. If Gustafson's in net, and if our boy Igor Sokolov can keep things going, and how about don't forget newly acquired uh, Belleville Senator Curtis Douglas, six foot eight, just an absolute beast. He scored a goal in his first game, so hopefully he can keep things rolling here up against the Moose. One goal in one professional game for Curtis Douglas. Not bad. Also, Vitalia Bramov is buzzing. Angus Crookshank. There's a lot of good things going on in Belleville, and hopefully they can turn that into a few extra wins here down the stretch. Final note before we take off for trade deadline. Of course, we'll be back with a full recap of the day's work and Pierre Dorian included, but some numbers. Shane Pinto. Not getting his number 66 or number 12. He's wearing number 57, his development camp number, no surprise. And JBD, yeah, you know me, wearing number 48. A bit of a yikes, but those guys will get their proper number in due time. Remember, Will Annan had to wear 86 when he came up, and it's just a story as old as time. You come up in the league, you're a rookie, you're going to get the dustiest number they can find. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I mean, easy when you're saying dusty number. I'm pretty sure that's the number JBD prefers. Like, I think that's the number no, he he, no chance. he wanted. He he was talking about that, wasn't he? I think uh, it was with uh, Wally and Matt that uh, he was saying he likes 48. And then Pinto, we know he's a big addition guy. He wanted six plus six equals 12. Well, wouldn't you know it? Five plus seven also equals 12. Math guys here. So he still he still gets the sum of what he wanted. <laughs> Yeah, they look great. The Senators just tweeted out a photo of both JBD and Pinto still rocking the black and green sticks from their uh, Nodak Sens days. So that hashtag can continue. So exciting times right now. The trade deadline on deck, JBD and Shane Pinto on the ice and getting ever so close to making their NHL debuts. Hey, we want to say thanks. Speaking of the Nodak Sens, everyone with the great Uh, Lots of quote tweets, lots of uh, great feedback from our interview with Jake Sanderson. We're going to try to do more of those. It's busy times right now with the hockey season with us at work, but we really appreciate it. And it was great. Uh, We want to stick taps to Mitch Wigness and the North Dakota communications team for setting that up. We've got a few clips. We know everyone or many people have been asking for us to get some uh, video of that. They want to see Jake Sanderson in the flow. So we've got a few clips coming out. So stay tuned for those on our social media later today. Yeah, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, I mean, anytime you get a high-profile guest like Jake Sanderson, we expected uh, some positive reviews, but uh, really humbled by all the all the comments and quote tweets, so that's great stuff. And hey, Ross, we've collected one, two first-rounders from the 2020 draft class, and hey, we're working on that third one as well. And one, two from the second round as well with uh, Tyler Clevin and Igor Sokolov. Like you said, Note the start time, Igor and the Belleville Sens in action at 5 p.m. And then your Ottawa Senators hosting the Winnipeg Jets at 7. So we'll be back for a full breakdown of that and recap of the trade deadline. Hey, if you're around at 2 to 4 p.m., I'll be live with the Locked On NHL trade deadline show today. So tune in for that. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Tiller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.